Welcome back to the Paper Tiger podcast. The Paper Tiger is a student newspaper of Lake Wilmerding High School. The podcast gives a behind-the-scenes look at how the paper functions and discusses issues that are important to Bay Area youth. I'm Indigo. And I'm Dylan. We're your co-hosts for the Paper Tiger podcast this year. Today's guests are Kyan Schlipak, Alex Mater, and Felix Fine, three current Lake seniors who founded Particulates Matter, a youth-led project aiming to address the disproportionate impacts of air pollution on San Francisco youth. Through evidence-based and community-supported strategies, they hope to mitigate the dangerous short and long-term health effects of air pollution on children. From distributing N95 masks to helping install air purification systems in classrooms, Particulates Matter has been up to a lot recently. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So what is Particulates Matter in its most basic sense? Um, well, Particulates Matter is focused on addressing the uh, impacts of air pollution, specifically on youth, um, underprivileged youth. Um, and our aim is to prevent um, the short-term impacts of air pollution while California can get its air quality act together. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, I guess you kind of already answered this, but what's the inspiration behind Particulates Matter? What happened was during the pandemic, we like we had a pretty bad wildfire season, and we ended up like having to check the um, like purple air and all the different um, AQI places um, to see what air quality was. And then we realized that we didn't actually know what like actually was safe for us and for our teammates. So um, we started doing our own research on like the AQI and air pollution, um, especially in San Francisco and the Bay Area. And we were kind of shocked with the findings we had, especially regarding the long term. Um, effect adverse health effects of like air pollution exposure um, on children and then that led us to um to see that sfusd was not providing any air purification in the worst and highest air pollution regions of the city and where their mask mandate and like ventilation mandate had windows open which is the worst thing we could hear and we at the same time started finding out more and researching more about diesel particulate matter as a human carcinogen and a really big threat to people living in the eastern half of the city. So that kind of was kind of what inspired us to apply for a grant and try to done. And just to give some background on like the types of particulates, particulate matter we're talking about, um, PM 2.5 is the type that you usually hear about during wildfire season. And that can come from um, wildfires burning like across California and the West. Um, and a lot of that particulate matter gets kind of trapped over the Bay Area due to our geography. Um, and then diesel particulate matter, DPM, comes from um, large vehicles. And the reason that has a particularly like adverse impact on certain youth in San Francisco is the way the freeways run through San Francisco, the southeast corner of the city gets the most of that diesel particulate matter. Um, and we kind of early on focused our efforts on the southeastern part of San Francisco. Um, there are a lot of public schools there. A lot of kids go to school there. So we focused there. Yeah. So how did you go about starting the project? And what was that initial research phase like? The project really started when we found out there was a youth grant that we could apply for, um, which is it's called Bling. Um, it's a Youth Leadership Institute grant. Um, and um, yeah, once we saw that, and we really were paying attention to air quality issues, and we kind of put two and two together and realized that this would be a super impactful um, thing we could do. 
with the money. Um, so we started researching more. Um, and I think like the more we, the more we researched, the more we realized how big of a problem it was and especially how underappreciated that problem was. Um, so it kind of really got us going right when we started the research and then we were successful in getting the grant and then it went from there. So obviously a project like Partake with Matter um, involves a lot of collaboration and it's the three of you. So how did your collaboration work? Like, what did it look like? Did you have any goals that you set beforehand? And did your goals evolve over time? Our mission definitely evolved over time. Like our plan for how we were going to use the money and what our solutions were going to look like. Um, we were like, we had done our research, but we we're still go going in pretty blind. So before we had to like put in the final grant, we, um, what we did was we met with a few like public health and air pollution experts, um, one from UCSF and one from USC. And we also, we were really lucky and, like, in all of our reaching out to people. We were really impressed by like how um, readily available people were to speak with us and like donate their time and energy to us. Um, I think we reached out to like five um, experts and two got back to us. So we were able to meet with them and discuss like what our potential solutions would look like and also to discuss the problem we were addressing. And then we also met with a bunch of principals and different teachers from um, local public schools, especially elementary schools in like the Bayview, Hunters Point, Portola, Visitation Valley region. And um, sort of meeting with like both those groups allowed us to put together both a really helpful and scientifically um, useful plan and also one that would be applicable and helpful to the community itself from their perspective. Um, and that was a lot of us emailing people and then a lot of Zoom meetings and a lot of like groups sharing Google Calendar events. And then between the three of us, we already knew each other pretty well and we kind of just worked together on most things. Like we, there was rarely times where we completely split up work. Um, so it was a pretty collaborative effort for us three. Yeah, our collaboration kind of grew out of um, kind of the honors chemistry class at Lick and taking that together um, during COVID. And Ms. Bergstedt kind of exposed us to certain environmental issues like this one. So um, having been through that course together, we were we kind of had issues like this in mind. And then when the opportunity for the grant um, arose and there were kind of actionable things we could do with funding that we can talk about more later, um, it was kind of like a natural collaboration. And in terms of the goals changing over time, like we came into it really almost like naive like we were like oh yeah we're just going to protect all the kids from air quality in the city and um we realized that it was possible but doing so created like an insane amount of waste just ridiculous like thousands of masks boxes just plastic and we, we really realized that this is not like a sustainable solution um and so i think over time we realized that this can only be like a solution for a while and like what we really need the more important thing and the harder thing to do is to like get diesel trucks like either off the road or in different areas like less densely populated areas um and also just stricter um like regulations on on industry to keep the air level better and to be clear um it's not like we were intentionally purchasing a crazy amount of things um the only reason we wanted to purchase one time n95 masks is because during one of our first meetings with the principal, we heard an anecdote. Um, what she basically said was that during like some of the worst wildfire days of the past year, she didn't even have enough N95 masks supplied by like, the school system to get, to protect the kids with like pre-existing asthma. So there's like they were suffering, and there's nothing she could do about it. 
So we made sure to include in our plan to provide masks solely for like kids with asthma, um, with NI5 masks for kids with asthma on like high pollution days. And then the other part, um, box fan filled air purifiers are somewhat sustainable in the sense that they can sit there, purify an entire classroom for like a year at a time without having to change the filter and potentially more at a reasonably like high efficiency. So the solutions we chose were the ones that we thought were the most cost and waste efficient. The long-term goal for us will be to like move on from protecting kids from short-term exposures to sort of the bigger issue at hand, which will include activism side of things. Okay, that's interesting to see how it's evolved so much over time. And I guess one question that I'm thinking about is why is air quality a personal issue for you guys? I know you, all three of you are runners on Liquid Marines cross-country team. So is that part of it? Or are there any other reasons why this issue like really connects with you guys? Yeah, the running was definitely a big thing um, because just for our own health before this project, we would regularly check purpleair.com, which is, uh, I can talk a little bit about Purple Air because it's a super like interesting product and idea in itself. It's a crowdsourced kind of internet of things like technology where people can buy these air quality sensors, put them inside or outside, and then there's a website with a live map that updates based on um, all these sensors that people have bought. So um, like air now is the US EPA air quality source, but that only has one sensor per city typically. So yeah, we were checking purple air. If it was um, a high number in our area that day, maybe we wouldn't run. We'd do some other type of activity just for our cross country training. But then we also knew that um, on those days with bad air quality at school, um, at a school like Lick, we have um, really high quality air purification in the building, which um, was like being talked about because of COVID. But then a lot of public schools don't have that resource. Um, and even just things like N95 masks that um, Lick students might be more, more readily available to buy, um, like whenever you need it, that's not a reality for lots of kids. So like that was a big motivation for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now that we've talked a little bit about the inspiration behind Particulates Matter um, and kind of the goals that you set beforehand, what has Particulates Matter been able to accomplish? Um, so far, we have 144 purifiers um, in schools in the southeast region of San Francisco. Um, we've distributed 1,900 masks, um, N95 masks, and we've also led environmental health and um, social justice workshops at some of those schools in addition to, I'm gonna be presenting at a high school um, at St. Ignatius for a conference in about two days. So we're trying to focus, um, we're, our initial priority was solely preventing exposures because that's what we had to do first, um, just to prevent like, just to get purifiers out there before the start of the wildfire season. And then now we're sort of shifting to a more long-term approach. And just for a general idea, um, we partnered with, uh... 11 schools, 11 or 12 schools with a total student body population of around 2,400. Um, and for, I think all of them we provided, we, I think we gave enough air filters to cover every kid in every classroom. Yeah, you mentioned some youth workshops. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and what was included in your curriculum? For like younger kids, the main priority is just to help students understand that there are, that there are like little pieces of solid matter um, in the air and that is just to breathe them and to like use like there's a 
one hands-on demonstration where you can just put like a candle to like a, a jar or something and you can immediately see the soot collection in a way you wouldn't really be able to and that kind of can kind of demonstrate how like smoke and soot and air pollution is really something solid and real and tangible and then um, providing the tools just to help um, students understand how to protect themselves so whether like staying inside when the air is bad if you have access to any air purification or masks using them when necessary etc um, and also to understand where the sources of pollution are so they can um, hopefully engage in further like advocacy efforts um, in their community in the future and then for older students who we went in more into the science of things the policies that's led to our current situation um, the geography and for older students we went more into the details of everything so that included like the policies that have led to our current situation um, the different like the geography of san francisco and the microclimates um, that lead to like huge disparities across the city in terms of air pollution even though it's only like seven miles across um, the science of how air pollution forms and how particulate matter um, behaves and yeah some of these more specific details that would probably go over the head of some of the younger students and one other important thing about um, our youth workshops especially in schools where we had implemented um, masks and air purifiers is having the air purifier in the classroom um, is one thing, but if it's just this loud box in the corner that the kids don't know um, why it's there, why it's beneficial for their health, um, the teacher might just not even use it. So if the students themselves are part of the solution, um, and not just in terms of like understanding what they can do to protect themselves, but how like something in the classroom that is this new thing is like really taking an active approach to protecting their lungs and body. Um, that, that was really important for us too. Yeah, that's really awesome. Could you talk a little bit about diesel particulate matter? Why is DPM harmful and uh, why are DPM levels relevant to the Bay Area? I can start with this one. Um, diesel particulate matter is kind of an, a more recent concept. Um, PM 2.5 just refers to the like the constant, the weight of a total like number, um, like all the particles under a certain diameter in the air. So it's not specific to things that are more toxic or not. And that's sort of been the standard for a little while. But over time, researchers have begun to understand and categorize different types of air pollution. And diesel particulate matter is one of them. It refers to like the specific particles that come as a result of like the combustion of diesel and similar um, gases, I think. And then um, the result is like a really, really toxic compound that's classified as a human carcinogen. I think there's over like 40 known toxic compounds to humans inside of it. And um, it's been linked to cancer in a lot of studies and to various other diseases. Um, but the worst part is that like in all of California, I think the some districts in Southeast California are literally the worst. They have like 10 times the average ambient air concentrations um, and, and including East Bay to, East Bay too. There's been a lot of talk recently about the disparities between the I-80 and 580. On one of them, the trucks trucks are banned and not so on the other. Um, and because it's really a lot less talked about and less understood and a lot newer to the, like, to the scientific community, people aren't really aware of it. They just see like the AQI, but it doesn't take into account the toxicity of the actual particulate matter in the air. Um, so especially with like kids, we don't wanna see like lung, um, inhibited lung development, um, higher rates of asthma, higher rates of lung cancer. Um, and yeah, so to prevent that, that's why we have, that's the main reason we put air purifiers in that region. Yeah, wait, I just have a follow-up question about that. Yeah. Um, so if 
in terms of a long-term solution, would you want old diesel trucks to be banned or would you want them to take routes that are not near places where people live and work? That's a good question. I think the huge differences you see in diesel particulate matter and also other measures of air pollution, like on highways where there are um, trucks allowed versus not, shows how big of an impact they make. So yeah, ideally, um, trucks would not go through the city or through any residential areas. Um, but also, I think it's also there's a lot of, a lot of industrial activity in that region and probably um, probably under protective like mandates and um, laws around that activity because I think highways alone don't account for that like ridiculous 10 times average ambient air concentration. Yeah, another thing is there are like some um, like scrubbers you can add to the diesel engines that make it a lot less bad. Um, so there are regulations being put in place, especially like in urban centers or population centers um, where like the dirtiest um, like diesel engines won't be allowed to drive. Um, obviously like banning diesel engines is very far off, um, but there are like short-term solutions like or medium-term solutions like that that can really help. Yeah, so obviously you guys have these awesome goals set out and have been able to accomplish a lot, but have there been any challenges you faced while leading Particulates Matter? One of our biggest challenges was um, kind of determining how our community outreach was going to look like and just on a basic level, how we, like in a time of COVID, we're going to physically get into these schools to help um, make a difference. And we first contacted the San Francisco Unified School District administrative offices and like their community partnership office, their facilities office. And we were referred to those by some of the school principals. Um, but the administrators were like the central administrators were much less willing to work with us. And um, they had actually denied principals and schools um, air purification saying that the school's electrical grids wouldn't be able to handle it. But one of the schools we worked with only has eight classrooms. It's an elementary school. And um, it was pretty clear that having eight air purifiers plugged into the wall would not really harm the school's electric grid. So we decided to just work closely with the people at the school sites. So school nurses, principals, and teachers. And they were the ones who we had had the initial calls with and were super receptive to and excited about the solutions. Um, and I think it's really because they're the ones that are working with the kids every day. They're seeing the impacts, whereas people like at a downtown office have to deal with the school board every day, not the students every day. So that was a challenge, but we were able to kind of work around that by um, being like selective and careful about who we worked with, who really knew um, like who we were working with and what the impacts could be from our work. So there were a ton of like, just different like documented forms and protocols we'd have to go to, to do this through the board. Um, so we kind of just ignored it and went right to the schools. I think that was the right decision because um, there's like a huge discrepancy between what the like what the board was telling us and what the administration was telling us compared to what the individual schools um, were, like that we were talking to were telling us. Another big thing that was, I think new for us was procurement and buying things in such large quantities. like we would make Home Depot purchases like in the thousands of dollars each just for like the quantity of um, supplies that we needed. So that was like a logistical challenge. Um, we had one day where it was time to move all of the built purifiers from one of our houses 
um, to like closer to the neighborhood we were working with. So that was like physically just a huge task, um, but it was a super rewarding afternoon. We um, like piled more box fans than you could ever imagine into friends, cars and trucks and got them across the city. So that was exciting. So we've talked a little bit about efforts to curb uh, DPM levels, uh, but what other initiatives do you think could take place on a local or statewide government level? Um, yeah, I think it would be re just reiterate. I mean, wildfire prevention is a really big one because there's huge seasonal swings in um, air quality. Um, I mean, still the biggest, I'd say, issue year round is wildfires because the levels of smoke that they cause is just ridiculous for a few days every year. Um, so I think wildfire prevention is big. Um, then the regulation on diesel trucks would be big. And just in general, like um, higher vehicle standards statewide. Um, and there are also little things like um, leaf blowers are really bad. Two stroke engines, really bad in general. So like lawnmowers, leaf blowers, um, they're called small off-road vehicles. I don't know, small off-road engines. Um, and um, the California Air Research Board is putting a ban on them that I think will go into effect in the late 2020s. So that'll be big. Um, but there, it's like a whole, there's a lot of things the government can still do um, that will make an actual impact. Um, and it's just, I think it's just regulating vehicles and engines and then also wildfire prevention. Yeah, and also recognizing it as, equally a social science as like a basic science issue. Um, where we work particularly like the Southeast section of San Francisco, um, it really aligned well with the grant that we were awarded because the grant was specifically a youth social justice grant. And um, in applying for the grant, we learned a lot about how this is really a social justice, racial justice, economic justice issue. Just that neighborhood in particular um, it is like a known toxic waste site because of industrial activity there over several decades that was like not properly cleaned up. Um, and also in terms of like urban studies and just the way gentrification has happened, um, people living in and going to school in that neighborhood are less likely to have access to mass air purifiers, more likely to have asthma um, and lower education levels. Um, which leads to lower income levels. So it's kind of just this cycle um, and like not being as well represented in government. So in terms of like government making uh, or proposing solutions, really centering like vulnerable people who have been kind of left out of these processes and knowing that like needs are different. Yeah, thanks for bringing up the equity aspect as well. Um, I guess my last question for you guys would be, how can listeners of the Paper Tiger podcast or anyone get involved with or in support Particulates Matter? I mean, first of all, if you want to join like our project, just, I mean, email us. Um, one of them is kind at particulatesmatter.org. That's my email. So if you want to get involved, go ahead. And then on a more broader scale, um, I think like the... The quickness of our project and how like we saw a problem uh, applied for a grant on a whim and then met like a ton of great people on the way connected with a lot of um fascinating leaders and experts and like got something done within like seven months shows that if you like if you really um like just want to pursue something go for it um and they'll like if you ask you'll find a lot of support services along the way 
and you can really make something happen. Um, also pro tips, I think Felix had a lot of the good ones for budgeting, but in general, just asking for help and asking for advice and like asking to meet with random people, you'll be surprised at the general kindness of um, people when you're doing something that's like important and relevant. And um, like the, don't be afraid to email a lot of people to get a few responses. That was something we learned along the way. Emailing, we have a spreadsheet of like 200 SFUSD people we emailed to set up like 12 meetings. Also, I would just say stay aware of the air. Um, like make it a habit if it seems really smoky just to look at the air quality. And if it's really bad, um, then you probably shouldn't go running outside and stuff, especially if you're um, like sensitive in any way. Um, and yeah, just it's, it's an underappreciated issue. Um, or, and um, so just spreading awareness is also a big thing. Oh, and if you need a cheap air purifier, um, attach a high graded filter to a box fan it'll be 30 bucks instead of hundreds wise words uh yeah thanks for being on the podcast everyone it's a good time thank you thanks for having us thanks for listening to the paper tiger podcast to learn more about particulates matter check out particulatesmatter.org or follow at particulates underscore matter on instagram Make sure to tune into our next episode and for more content, visit our website, lwhspapertiger.org or follow at LWPaperTiger on Instagram. See you next time.